Okay, ladies and gentlemen, all you American pioneers out there running your small businesses, welcome back. Good to see you. What happened to Silicon Valley Bank? Everybody's freaking out about it. Um, is this a pattern? Is this going to affect things down the road? What's going to happen? So I thought we'd just do a quick video and cover what's going on with that from a lawyer's perspective and kind of talk about the implications and what some of the alternatives are. So Silicon Valley Bank was a bank in San Francisco, as you know, that was caught with $15 billion in unrealized losses, which... Um, if you don't know what unrealized loss is, basically, if you're holding Dogecoin, you bought it at some point, and then it went way down, and you're way in the red, you haven't sold yet, so technically you haven't lost anything, but you still have that bad position. So Silicon Valley Bank was basically hodling that times $15 billion, which is a really bad position to be in. So what happens is it triggers a panic, and people go, well, people that are investing at the bank, or depositing at the bank, I should say, they have their money at the bank, they go and they pull their money out. That freaks everybody out, and then everybody realizes that the bank, the emperor has no clothes. The bank fails. So when that happens, if that's in danger of happening, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, you may know as the FDIC, they come in and they immediately seize all the assets. And they bring it into what's called a receivership, and they break up everything up, and they, they have this whole process for doing it. So they're currently looking for a new buyer to buy the bank. So that's the status of where that's at. Um, it's a regional bank. It's not the biggest bank in the world. So does this constitute a pattern? <sighs> it's hard to say. Um, one of the points I want to bring up about this is Silicon Valley Bank and banks like this are not going to tell you. They're not going to give you a heads up that, hey, we're about to fail. Just think about it for a second. If every bank did that, it would trigger exactly the event they're trying to avoid, which is people running on the bank and taking all their money out. So they're never going to tell you that. The Federal Reserve, everybody is always going to say everything's fine, everything's hunky-dory, inflation's good, our bank is fine, all of our investments are stable. They're always going to be incentivized to tell you that. It's so crazy because it's one of the only institutions where they're literally incentivized to lie to you and incentivized to hold their balance sheet from you. And of course, they're going to say that we're honest and all these kinds of things and give you these platitudes, kind of like uh, you know Wells Fargo was doing some sketchy stuff recently. Um, but that's just the nature of it. I mean, the, the banking system, this is the way it's set up and it, it, it is what it is. But um, but why is the one of the things I wanted to talk about was why is the banking system so chronically unstable and why does it seem to happen over and over again? And uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to that, guys. I mean, the, the financial uh, this industry is very complicated. I mean, it's notoriously complicated. They make it that way on purpose. Um, uh, is it out of just pure um, condescension? I don't know. But um, people come up with some very complicated financial products. That's like what happened in, in 2008. Everybody was way over leveraged because nobody could even explain what they were buying and selling. And uh, that's what happened. It was a bunch of bad mortgages and turns out the emperor had no clothes. But why does this keep happening? Well, one of the reasons is because the government is covering the risk of the banks. That's the shortest way to put it. So um, there was a series, with, as you know, the Federal Reserve and the fiat currency system allows the government to essentially control inflation through certain techniques like printing money and quantitative easing, all these other things. It's very complicated. But the bottom line is, um, well, the nature of where we are today, the state where we are today, is we went through a series of financial crashes, issues, including the savings and loan crisis in the 1980s, other things. And um, basically what it came down to is the government said, we can't have this anymore um, because the economy keeps getting wrecked. So traditionally, if you were a depositor at a bank and you went to that bank and deposited and the bank crashed because they were being too risky, 
you were what's called an unsecured creditor, which means you don't get, if there's bankruptcy proceedings, you don't get anything. You, that money's just gone. This is what happened in the 20s of the Great Depression is they ran on the bank, the banks collapsed, and the money was gone. So the economy just went like that. And no one could buy anything, no one could sell anything because all their money was gone. And the only solution the government really has in that situation is to raise taxes. I mean, they can print a freak load more money, but that would cause a lot more inflation and make the economy worse. So the only really option they have is to raise taxes, which also constricts the economy. So they don't want to do that. And it's tremendously unpopular, and it's a piece of legislation they have to pass, and they don't like it. So they always want to take the easy way out, which is to print money. So what they essentially did was... There was a series of crises, the savings and loans crisis, the crisis of 2008, and then the latest iteration is Dodd-Frank basically said certain institutions and certain banks are going to be considered too big to fail, okay? And then, well, the too big to fail language was technically replaced with systemically important financial institutions. This means an institution that has more than like $250 billion in assets under management, uh, the number kind of varies as inflation goes up and down, it's going to be considered too big to fail. And if it's too big to fail, the government is going to step in and cover the balance sheet. But the way they do this is very interesting. If you have, if you have a deposit at Wells Fargo or a deposit at Chase or a deposit at one of these major institutions, and there's a list of about seven or eight of them, um, then what happens is if, if the government comes in and the FDIC comes in and takes over, they put that whole bank into what's called a receivership estate. And then they create a new holding company and try and liquidate the assets, which means that as a depositor, you become a creditor, but you're a very bad form of creditor, which means that you get equity in the new institution. So instead of what happens is the bank fails, instead of you getting nothing at all, they hand you a little stock certificate, if you will. It's not that, but it's a little stock certificate that's like a security for an interest in the bank that just failed. So you know that crappy bank that you invested in? You're now a shareholder. Yay! Worthless shares. Now, there's is it worthless? I mean, no, but it's going to go at liquidation value. It's basically going to be sold for scrap value. And, you know, there's not really any way, I mean, there's not really any way of knowing exactly what that's going to be worth or even if there's a market for it. That's the problem. So when these banks fail, and a lot of them are on track to fail, by the way, then what you're going to get is a little stock certificate that's going to say, you're now a holder in this bank that failed. Here's your Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac shareholder certificate that's the solution so that's the situation we're in and and the banks know this so basically their risking is incentivized because they're covered no matter what it's like if if my dad just told me son you know go to vegas and just gamble whatever you want and i'll cover the losses every time that's the situation we're in my dad does that by the way no just kidding dad love you i know he doesn't do that um <clears throat> nor should he i don't gamble Anyways, pardon that personal side note. Um, so that's the situation we're in. So what are the alternatives? Well, the alternative basically would be private banking. So in private banking, and it's just a smaller bank that's much more cautious with the way it lends. So they have higher what's called liquidity ratios, which means like if you go to like Pictet in Switzerland, which is a private bank, you go to them, if, if there's a run in the bank, everybody says, oh, no, Pictet doesn't have any money. You go to them. What their solution for that is you would just go to them and ask for their money and say, oh, here you go. There's your money. And they have a high enough liquidity ratio to cover that, which means they have enough liquidity and cash on hand and investments and cash equivalents to be able to cover those balances if there's a big run in the bank or whatever, if there's a crisis of faith in the bank. 
that's a private institution. They're much more stable, and and they're not just for rich people to hide money and not pay taxes. That's all silly. I like everybody reports their taxes and pays it. If you're an American citizen, you have to pay taxes on all your worldwide assets. That's the way it works. But the reason people pick these banks is because they have a long runway of reputation for uh, being established and having these high liquidity ratios and being stable. So if you're, you know, I have a Wells Fargo account. You can have a Wells Fargo account and have these kind of accounts, but I wouldn't suggest putting your life savings in them. Don't put a ton of money in them. Don't put um, huge assets in them. I wouldn't custody big assets with them. I would go to other alternatives. Another alternative would be something like private placement life insurance, where you can essentially become your own bank. You have a high cash value policy. You borrow against the policy for little to no interest, and that's how it works. Um, you're, you're cutting out the third party. We have other podcasts about that. If you want to check that out, um, uh, go look at those. But that's another alternative. Another alternative is just good old gold. I, I'm not a huge gold bug, but you know, there's something to be said for having um, some precious metals in your portfolio. And you know, paper gold is not as good because yeah, I don't know. They, they, that's another story. But physical gold is great to have. It's great to have physical gold. I mean. Um, there was a great economist, I forget his name, but he said, uh, gold is the only real currency, everything else is credit. And there's some truth to that. So um, once again, I just want to iterate, you know, Silicon Valley Bank was a unique situation, but this just uh, shows there's an underlying instability within the system that we have. And the bank, like your account, your bank account, if you're at one of these big institutions, well, if you're at really any, any institution, that that balance that you see is not cash. It doesn't mean that they have all of that cash sitting there in a little box for you. Only That would only be the case if you have a safety deposit box with cash in it. That's not how it works. It is a credit. That ledger that you see, that balance that you see when you open up your online banking or whatever, that is a credit from the bank. They're giving you credit and you're borrowing against and you're taking that credit. That's what it is. So um, we just wanted to clarify that and, and just kind of lay out the alternatives because a lot of Americans don't know this stuff. And like I said before, the banks aren't incentivized to tell you this. They have zero incentive to tell you this. So be cautious, be aware. It doesn't mean the whole economy is going to collapse tomorrow. I'm not one of these like total pessimists about America, but um, I will say be cautious because these banks, um, the incentive structure is all wacky and we just want you to be aware of that. So thanks everybody. We'll see you soon. Sorry, that was that was a wave. It wasn't supposed to be whatever it looked like. Anyways, um, appreciate y'all, and we'll talk to you later. We'll see you in the next one.